You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 56 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What have you been up to? It's oh the new God. year. Oh, my God. Well, it's all been happening in, in the like the few moments before we recorded. Like, <laughs> it's been hot, like it was over 40, boiling, boiling. Right. And all of a sudden, it turns and we've got, like, the mother of all storms. And I've got, like, club militia set out on my deck out here where I've got, like, the big umbrellas and all mm-hmm. my fairy lights and cushions and everything. And last time we had a storm like this, my umbrella took off, and it's a massive one of those big market ones. Oh, yes. We found it, like, two streets away. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was last time. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, impale someone with my umbrella. Yeah. So I had to go out. And, and it's like I nearly took off. The wind was that strong. Wow. <laughs> was just like out of control. Wow. And, from that. <laughs> and Gina, Gina's, um, Gina lives in Melbourne, so this is the crazy Melbourne weather for you. Oh, crazy. You're just And now it's like nothing happened. It's like what? That's what Melbourne weather yeah. is saying. What, 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 what are you looking at? Nothing <laughs> to see here. Move on, everybody. <laughs> well, I've been in Sydney where it has been a perfect summer's day. Uh-huh. So, um. There you go. Suck on that. <laughs> Suck on that. That's what Sydney always says. Like, but apparently, um, what's it been like really for the last two weeks up there? Today is okay. I hear it's been pouring with rain. It has been a bit rainy, but yeah. the last couple of days has been pretty fantastic. <laughs> but let's move on to our podcast. This isn't a podcast about the weather, no. everyone. This is actually a podcast about photography. And uh, thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener, welcome. Welcome to our community. We'd, um, we hope you enjoy the podcast. We tend to get together every week and have a bit of a chat about a particular uh, topic or issue. Plus, Gina gives us the goss on the kinds of things that she's been up to and also the um, kinds of shoots that she's been doing. So, um, yeah, if you've just discovered us, that's great. You know, give us a shout out and, uh, well, let connect with us on social media and let us know how you discovered us. But we want to thank Natalie Ord for giving us a shout out. She's a wonderful member of our community and she has kindly uh, left us a five-star podcast on podcast iTunes. Podcast or review? Oh, five-star review. <laughs> She's got her own podcast. Is she now Maybe. Or no? oh, Maybe she does. <laughs> um, a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you so much, Natalie. And she has called it the best photography podcast around. And Natalie has said, 
This podcast is the most comprehensive collection of photography, technical and business information which caters to beginners, enthusiasts and professionals. As a professional photographer, this podcast has been invaluable. Not only is the new knowledge I glean from each episode invaluable, but also the multitude of aha moments and reinforcement of what I already know. Gina and Valerie share their knowledge without pretense. Their respective backgrounds are complementary and the humour makes it a fun listen. It has also been an important podcast in that there are few high-profile professional female photographers in Australia, so I hear these women talk about their experience in the to hear these women talk about their experience in the industry is refreshing. Thank you, Gina and Valerie, for your extreme generosity. A million star rating. Oh, wow. That's awesome, Natalie. Thank yes. you so much. That was like a small novel, though, wasn't it? It was Thank like you. really, really, really cool. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That's just um, uh, makes it all worthwhile to know that it's helpful to people. Yes. And Natalie is also an active participant in our Facebook community. So if you aren't already in there, do join us. It's free. So all you need to do is search for our Facebook group. It's a Facebook group, not a Facebook page. And it's uh, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join and we'll let you in. And it's great fun being in the community because we ask questions of each other, we upload our photos to get feedback. But uh, what's been really good is sometimes, you know, someone in the community has had a problem or would like advice on something and it's so great that so many other photographers who are, you know, ranging from beginners, enthusiasts and professionals jump in to share their experiences. So we'd love to see you in there. Now... Uh, Natalie also posted a particular post that you that you thought was great. Isn't she that did, right? yeah, yeah. So that's like the, the 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 group's been going off and some great discussion in there. And so she asked, uh, "What was everyone's photographic goals for 2016?" Which I thought was an amazing question. And it's something. Mm. Do you do this, Val? Every year, do you write a list of what your goals are for the year? And it doesn't necessarily need to be photography, but life goals. Do you do that? Revise that. Some years I do, and some mm. years I don't. Interestingly enough. Really. Yes. I do it every year. I write down my goals and then specifically for photography as well. And uh, it looks like a lot of people uh, in in the uh, Facebook group who participated in this particular question uh, Mm. do as well. And I think it's a great idea to write stuff down because it makes it real. Yes. It makes it real. So um, some of the stuff that that stood out uh, from Natalie's question was to have solo shows, to seek out mentorship. Mm. Uh, A lot of people uh, want to do either a 365-day challenge or a 52-week challenge. And uh, a lot of the people that are are currently doing are are wanting to be held accountable. So they're sharing uh, their their photos uh, with us in in the Facebook group, which is great great too. Um, Some people don't want to buy more gear. Others want to buy gear. Um, People want to get their images printed. Um, People are talking about facing their fears, which is a really one I'm going to cover that in an upcoming newsletter Val I think Um, some people want to make more money (laughs) and uh, people want to tackle more portrait shoots get assisting gigs Um, so uh, I I think it was just a really good uh, uh, discussion and uh, if you want to add to it you can email us or come and join the group and uh, tell us what you think yeah email us at news at com, and that's 
G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And also go to GinaMilitia.com to sign up for Gina's newsletter that she was just referring to. It's awesome. People are giving us such great feedback on that newsletter. I love it. Um, you know, I always have a, re- I'm lucky that I get to have a read of it before everyone else does. And it's it just, you know, it's always a cracker. So very useful, very inspirational. Thanks, Belle. Yeah, I love it. Do sign up. <laughs> Uh, So what else have we got, Gina? So the other thing that I've been noticing, and this makes me so happy, Val, Mm -hmm. uh, my Lightroom presets that are out there. Now, I I know that over uh, Christmas, Digital Photography School actually did an awesome promotion with my books and they were like on sale and a lot of people picked them up and uh, uh, part of the bundle uh, was uh, I put out some Lightroom presets Mm -hmm. and uh, I've been noticing those coming back, uh, people using them and also tweaking them and also the ones that we've been giving away in the newsletter, Val, have been coming coming back and then people are reinterpreting them and they might like I, I saw a a fantastic shot on the Facebook page where someone had uh, used it in colour and then someone in the group suggested, you know what, that shot would look better in black and white. So Mm. they took one of my presets Mm. and converted it from colour to black and white and you know what, fantastic. Wow. I'm looking at it going, I think I'm going (laughs) to change it to black. So I'm learning and see. it's great for me to see uh, how the presets are being applied in all different styles of photography as well and giving me all these really great ideas, Val, of what else I could create presets uh, with and, and, and where I can go. It's it's exciting. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love seeing it. I love seeing all the shots where people have been using your presets. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Gina gives away free Lightroom presets if you are a subscriber to the newsletter. So we actually put them in the newsletter from time to time and you'll get them for free if you're a subscriber. And uh, the ones that have been released in the past, they're not available for free. So you only get them you know, when you actually receive your newsletter. We've had quite a lot of inquiries. So I've been fielding quite a few inquiries from people who want to get the ones that were issued, that were released in the past. So what we are going to do in a couple of weeks is make them available on the website uh, for purchase for a small fee. But remember, you can always get them for free if you join the newsletter, but you just can't get them retrospectively. All right. So a listener question we have, haven't we, Gina, uh-huh. from Matt Zahn. What has Matt said? Now, he's he's posted a photo of what looks like a, um, a little garden gnome, but it's actually Santa. <laughs> um, so obviously he's been getting into the Christmas spirit. And it's Santa, and he said, I woke up early this morning and decided to work on a single speed light high-speed sink. I used a wooden stink-eyed Santa as my What's model. What's a stink-eyed Santa? I'm I not do, I don't understand. Sure. He's, a, he's got stinky eyes. He's well, looking think, at you mean? Well, or? it looks like he's got one eye in, yeah. in this. Oh. I think he's a little bit injured. Anyway, oh. Matt has said he was great, never complained or took a break, unlike, <laughs> unlike some talent we know, yeah, Gina. I, know. <laughs> I was playing with the Odin TTL flash receiver and trigger settings and manual camera settings for a bit before I got some looks. I don't have a light meter yet, so it was chimping time. Yeah. 
<laughs> how, how many of you so for those of you who don't know what chimping oh. is it's when you look at the when you take a shot then you look at the camera and then you go oh and then, <laughs> and then you take a shot you look at the camera you go oh so that's Oop. chimping anyway how many of you can look at a scene and know almost immediately where your settings need to be with flash and matt has also asked how long did it take to get to that level you know, I think this is a great question because yeah. I pretty much have the same question. As you know, I'm yeah. not um, the world's. <laughs> I'm not a world expert or any expert on flash and speed lights, and that's why I ask you so many questions about them. So, yeah, yeah what's your answer to that? Do you know if you the more you shoot, there there comes a point where you just learn where you can what settings to put your flash. You know that if you're like I know that with my speed light, if I'm shooting outside and it's overcast i can set it to an eighth or a sixteenth power with the softbox that i use and i will get the the exposure right you know mm. now but i do use a light meter and i will check anyway because I'm, I'm not like into chimping i i think um chimping actually erodes um r rapport and 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 um it makes talent nervous because if they're standing there and you're chimping away mm. they think you don't know it looks like you don't really know what you're doing even though all you're doing is testing your lights but the person standing there is like waiting for the shot and getting more and more nervous so so i can't afford to be chimping but the thing that's happened is the more i shoot i can now set up my lights and i know that um, in the studio, I, I'll have my two soft boxes. I know they're going to be f16, uh, f11 and a half. If I move it back a bit or move it forward, and uh, you just you just work it out, and it doesn't actually take very long. But my suggestion mm. uh, to Matt is to um, start uh, if he's not going to invest in a light meter, start experimenting at all the different settings and mark where he's uh, setting his flash up. So like if he wants to set up a good uh, portrait uh, lighting setup, he know, like if, if his uh, flash is say half a meter from the face of his model, mm -hmm. what is he setting in open shade? What right. is it inside? You know, and, and then he can then go up in half-stop increments and know that if I move it back a little bit, it's going to be this setting. If I move it forward, it's going to be that. And you can make yourself a little cheat sheet mm. so that at least when you start, you're kind of in the ballpark rather than like four stops over or, or uh, three, you know, or under. My yes. other suggestion, of course, is uh, look online. Secondhand light meters are really, really very cheap. You can pick them up from between fifty and a hundred dollars. Great. Yes. All right. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's just taking the time to actually note it down because often we just leave it in our heads, and yeah. so we never remember wh whether we, you know, what if what's if stop we were at or anything like that because we yeah. didn't bother writing it down you could do that with your lights too val which are continuous lights mm. that you use when you're filming mm. but you know you mark off the settings and you know that like you know at this this we get this if we move them back half a meter or you, you know this yes. is the settings and uh, and you could actually write it down on the back of the lights yes because i'm tape. filming on when on like yeah. in two days time so yes that is a great idea tina and i don't take know. photos when you like you go oh my god 
that lighting was beautiful today. Mm. Let's take a behind-the-scenes photo, mark off where we had everything so that we can replicate it for next time. Mm, absolutely. Now let's move on to some shout-outs from the community. We've got some great shots here. Oh, and the first one is from Steel Currens. And it's and we'll put all of these shots in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com if you want to have a look at them. And we all of the links that we refer to in this podcast we also put in the show notes. But we'll, there's this great shot, and it's really of a dragonfly. And I love it because I love dragonflies mm. uh, in the foreground and like a creek or a river or something in the background. Uh, and, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I just thought it was an amazing shot and the degree of difficulty is very high because it like uh, still had to wait uh, in the water and the, in like well, I think waist, waist deep and he just waited patiently until the dragonfly stopped long enough and stopped chasing others to get the shot. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows what it takes and we've got a few uh, macro and wildlife photographers in the group that, that are doing just that. They're patiently waiting uh, to, to, to nail that shot and you know it's just like it I've got so much respect for this type of photography because mm. it, you know, it's it's amazing and it shows us this whole other world and it's shot like a portrait shot which is what I loved about it because it's like an environmental portrait yes <laughs> lifestyle shots of dragonflies yeah it's awesome <laughs> we also have a great one from Phil N who has shot a uh, family you know a, a, a mum and dad and it looks like a daughter and a son yeah and I just love this shot I mean he's isn't it, it cool I, yeah it's 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 the four of them in the middle of the shot but he's got sort of like not a pedestrian crossing but well he, they, they look like they're kind of on a pedestrian crossing and then he's got these other lines yep. um in front of them so they they have that very much those leading lines that you yes. love Gina yes and interestingly it's shot at Sanctuary Cove. Now, Sanctuary Cove is essentially like a shopping centre mm. or, you know, a place with eateries. So you would not think of Sanctuary Cove as a place that, oh, we might shoot some family photos there. Yeah. But it looks fantastic. And what works really well for me in this shot is that they're all wearing blue jeans, like denim. Yep. So that kind of it gives them quite a cohesive look and kind of like a light-coloured or white top. Each of them are having uh, are wearing a white or light-coloured top. So they just look like they go together. But importantly, they're shot um, looking they're, – they're shot very low yes. so that you can see the – you can also see this amazing sky in the background. And honestly, yep. it looks like it should be the cover, a publicity yep. shot of a television show, don't you think? Uh, yeah, or a you know a double page spread in a magazine. He, Let me tell you why it would never be a double page. Oh, spread in sorry. A magazine. Y- yes, yes. Go now, ahead, even Val. though it would be, it would it, it, you, you would think that this would be great as a double page spread in a magazine, and we'll put the shot in the show notes. It would never make it, it, it as a double page spread in a good magazine because the spine, the fold of the paper, would be right down the middle. It would probably yep. go through the dad's head. So yep. unfortunately, it wouldn't make it as a double hedge spread, but it's a fantastic shot. Fantastic, and and like he's he's done everything right, Val. The the mm. the posing is perfection. Mm. The leading lines, I think, is is what I love about it, and the post production. Uh, Honestly, an awesome shot, and the the angle he's hidden all the guff that must be behind yes. the people from the yeah, awesome work, Phil. 
Yeah, really good work, Phil. Another family shot is from Mandy Miller, which is also a great shot, isn't it, Gina? Oh, fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> we'll put the link, we'll put the image in the show notes, but it looks like a grandmother and yep. two well, grandchildren, two young girls, mm. each of them holding their favorite teddy bear or stuffed yep. toy, right? Yep. What do you love about it? So what she's done is she's uh, she's got the, the all the, the mother, the, the grandmother and uh, the children no smiling so she wanted to capture that Victorian-esque kind of no smile look which gives a real edge to portraits. And mm. the other thing she's done is uh, she's uh, sort of done a Leibowitz with the background where you can see the edge mm. of the shot. So I really love that. Uh, post-production is very nice. So something when you suddenly you expect to see a beautiful young girl smiling like that and they're not, it gives it real edge and menace, yes, which, uh, which is, is what I love, and to get, not get mum's, uh, the grandma smiling as well. So, um, and, and she uses uh, uh, umbrellas for this shot. Uh, and and a homemade diffuser, so so props to her for that. So uh, I, I just thought that lighting, post production, and the actual uh, concept behind the shot, uh, it, it it just caught my eye. I loved it. So good stuff, Mandy. Yeah, awesome. Now on to this week's topic. I love this uh, topic. We're calling it um, Jazz and Blues: How to Create Moody Images. Now, first, Gina, before we embark on the you know your how-tos for this topic can you please define for us what you're referring to with moody images okay there's so many different definitions here let me just see if i can say this concise um so basically when you look at an image it's how people react to that image what what emotional reaction does that image evoke that to me is the mood of the image Okay. All right. So if you look at an image and it does nothing for most people, I, I would say that it's not moody. So, But there's so many different ways that an image can have mood. It can be the subject matter. It can be the way it's processed. It can be uh, the lighting. Uh, it can be like so many different elements will... Um, change the mood and affect the mood of an image but are you defining a moody image as an image that evokes emotion is that what you're saying it should i think yeah yes. i think when so you look even at an if image, it's even if it's uh, even if the emotion is like joy or happiness well i'm going for more um uh, sort of well mood for in 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 today's podcast, I'm I think I'm tending towards the other way rather than capturing joy. It's okay. it's, it's other emotions. Can you just use some words to describe some of those emotions? <laughs> so just so we we're, we're clear, we're on the same page. <laughs> How many times have you said that line to me, Valerie? Too? Can you like when, when it's like we're having a conversation on the phone, and I'll be spluttering away. It's just like sometimes I wish I could just hold up photos and go, "This is what I mean." And then you're going, um, "Gina, have you got maybe a word? Put a word in there, maybe." Because what will what happen, everyone, about? is I'll actually say to Gina, "So how do you feel about?" you know, X, Y, Z, and she'll go, uh, and I'll say, <laughs> all right, so does that mean 
you think that it's a good thing? And she'll go, oh. And I'll just have to say to her, can you just use some words, please? (laughs) Anyway, yeah, maybe you can use some words to describe the kind of moody images you are referring to, just so that we are clear on where we're going here. So I'm I'm looking at pictures that are uh, to to make them unforgettable, that when people look at them, they really have punch, you know, that that they're not just... um, they're not just generic images and, and light and fluffy. They really uh, make you take notice. Okay. Okay. So I'm looking at some of the images that you have posted in the show notes. So I'll just try to put some words to them. <laughs> um, uh, and they kind of, I, I think the best way to describe Gina's definition of moody images is images, they don't necessarily have the same lighting or the same um, composition or anything like that, but they are images that make you feel yes. some kind of, um, not always pain, but, but things, words like pain or angst or concern or anger or shock or um, a malaise or a pathos or um, they're not always depressing but they um, they make you 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 summed it up by saying Val they make you feel yes but but they don't necessarily make you feel joy and happiness no Mm. but you could I guess you wanted to but like you know how many photos make people feel joy and oh I guess they do I do yeah my photos of bikes make me happy (laughs) anyway we will put the images in the show notes and you'll see what we mean we we certainly don't mean for this to be a depressing podcast so they're not depressing images or anything like that they um they're, they're profound um but they they make you feel some kind of um uh pathos Okay, let's then move on with, where do we start with this? When would we, might we want to create moody images, Gina? Uh, I think at any time you mm-hmm. want to express yourself as a photographer. So, like, you know, there, there are photographers out there that uh, the subject matter that they want to cover is always happy and joyful and light, you know, people skipping off into the sunset. Yes. Um, but you know what, Val? Mm-hmm. And that's great. And I love those photos too. But if every one of my images was of people happy and skipping off into the sunset, mm. um, it's kind of boring. Yeah, these images have a little bit more nuanced. Yep. So they might. It's it, it's it's also um, evoking um, feelings of wistfulness yes. and just self-reflection. So yes. they're not all you know pain and angst. Sometimes they're just nuanced to be, to, to be you know, yeah, reflective or, or um, you know, wistful. It's, it's, I think it's about capturing what's on our mind and what sure. we feel. And that, that changes from day to day. And how you're feeling on any given day is going to really influence what you see when you look through the viewfinder yeah. and how a person who's looking at the photo feels sure. is going to influence they see when they look at your photo. So at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter what everyone else thinks or sees in your photo. It's, it's, it's what you're putting into them because it's going to change depending on what that person's uh, experience is on that given day. All right, sure. 
All right, so how do we create moody images, Gina? So there's a whole lot of uh, things that are going to affect uh, the mood of your image. Mm -hmm. And this includes things like uh, natural elements, like nature, uh, the, the gear that you use, your lens choice, mm. uh, the emotion that you can actually put into the image. You can manufacture emotion or mm. it could be real. Mm. Um, and uh, other things like uh, the lighting that you use and the vibe that you're going for and the shooting style and your post-production techniques and, of course, the subject matter. Mm. So shall we break them all down, Yeah, Belle? absolutely. Where do, we, where do we start? All right. So basically when we're looking at natural elements, if you want to um, just inject some mood into your shot as a basic place to start, then you look no further than Mother Nature. So mm -hmm. basically... Um, uh, you start at dusk and dawn. Yes. It's like if I'm if I'm ever wanting to do a shoot, these are the two times that I'm going to go out and take shots and suddenly everything, Val, is transformed at these times yes. of the day. Everything when you're on holiday with Gina, she wakes up way too early. I just continue sleeping and then yep. meet her at a Starbucks at a much three, more reasonable hour. Three hours later, Val, when I stayed <laughs> at your place, and then, to the point where I sent Peter up to wake you. Go wake her. It's like, I'm not like, hanging around like this for ages. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go on. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, dawn and dusk, yes. amazing. Um, the other great thing is, and, and this is a risk and it's maybe where you need to uh, have the raincoat for your camera, mm. is extreme weather. I have seen some of the most phenomenal landscape shots oh, yeah. taken in extreme weather. Like perhaps if before the podcast started, Val, if I hadn't have been worried about my umbrella, I could have gone out and shot. The, uh, mm. the storm coming. And, you know, some of my favourite shots to see are those people that chase storms. For a <laughs> yes. Aren't they amazing? I don't know why they you, do it. How do they do like, it? But it's like the shots that they get when you see, like, tornadoes oh, coming no. up, like, the path and the and everything's blowing around. So cool. So these people, are, like, are risking their lives or vo yes. volcanoes explode. They, that's emotion there and that's a moody image. So you get those dark... Um, you know, thunderous clouds and those skies are amazing. So they're, they're the sort of things I, I look for. Rain suddenly can change any shot and, mm. and give it uh, a mood. Um, it, it's generally you're not going to get a happy mood when you put rain in a shot, it, mm. but, but you can. Mm. And, and it just, it, you know, can, can change a, a shot from being, you know, just run-of-the-mill to, to suddenly romantic and beautiful. Mm. Smoke does the same thing. Where will to you me, get and smoke? it adds atmosphere. I'm not talking about smoke from someone fagging on, you know, <laughs> having a packet of Marlboros at the back of the chute. But 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 generally, um, you know, you know, when you, I'm thinking of just the listeners in Australia, that means having a smoke. All oh, right, okay, it probably yeah, doesn't on. mean the same. But anyway, mm -hmm. so um, uh, you know, when you go to the streets of New York and. Uh, the, they have those uh, where the smoke comes from the from the subway, all the steam. That's have you steam, seen that? yes. Yeah, like Marilyn Monroe. Fantastic! It mm. adds so much atmosphere to a shot. Yes. Uh, backlighting shots mm. again, and backlighting with rain and smoke 
Mm. But bingo, that's the trifecta. If you can get that in your shot, suddenly you've got mood. So think film noir, you know, those yeah. Bogart. You, you look at those shots, they're always like a gritty black and white, yep. the silhouette uh, of the person, there's smoke rising, uh, backlit from the lamp, and uh, and there's always rain in the shot as well. And suddenly you've created mood. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying about natural elements. So you got to, we got to be aware of these things. We've got to, you know, um, you've got to be ready for when the natural elements are in your favour. But that's not always going to be the case. Sometimes we might want to create moody shots when the natural elements don't lend themselves to helping us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not it's not like you've got a uh, rainmaker. Although there's, you, there's there's some ways that you, there's dances that you can do apparently that bring rain, <laughs> but it's it's. <laughs> It's kind of unpredictable. I've tried it and uh, there's been something I was seriously I have and there's something I've been experimenting with uh, wing machines. Oh, yes. Like so I've been shooting outside and I like to get hair blowing just a little bit. Yes. And so this has been something that I've been playing with to entertain myself. Yes. I'll go, okay, wind now. (laughs) Right? And it works? Well, yeah, it has. It works five out of ten times (laughs) and when it does it's really exciting because sometimes you can get it on cue and you go oh my god I'm tapped in look at me so um Mm -hmm. back to what we were you can just buy um those mini fans from the two dollar shop it's not as cool than clapping your hands okay. and going, okay, wind, right. now. <laughs> okay, all right. What, okay, what else can, can help us with our moody shots? So the lens choice uh, is going to have a, a big effect on, okay. on the mood of your shot. So if you want a shot to look intimate, like um, – uh, kind of uh, voyeuristic, like you've happened to just walk past and you're like just seeing something oh, yes. happening or you want to capture an intimate or you want to increase the intimacy of a shot, long lens will do that because yes. it makes everything appear cl- closer than it is in real life. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want to create a mood of uh, wide, spacious, mm. A wide lens will do that because it actually has the opposite effect and it makes everything appear bigger. That's why people, when they're selling their houses or advertising on Airbnb, will put a room in there and you go, oh, my God, it's massive. (laughs) I'm going to go stay there. That looks amazing. Look at the backyard. It's huge. And then you get there and it's like, no, where's the room I saw in the ad? They're like, that's it. Like, This is a shoebox. Yeah. The right lens, everything looks huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and, and where that looks great is if you want to create a mood of, say, isolation or loneliness in a shot, mm. perhaps using a long lens isn't going to convey that as well as using a wide lens will because it's going to give you all that extra space. Right. Okay, great. I, and the long lens is very much what you would use when you're doing those, um, you know, shooting through the, a door frame or shooting yeah. through a window of a, a home or a shot or something like that to yeah, yeah. capture some kind of moody moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so how you frame the shot is also going to have an effect on, uh, on, the, on the mood and, and, and how you capture that. So, yes. Okay, great. 
So the next thing, uh, Val, in an image is emotion. Mm-hmm. So um, now emotion can be actually uh, the vibe can be manufactured or real. Manufactured emotion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so a lot of the a lot of photographers uh, need to in their professional work uh, create emotion in an image. So it might be for advertising where you're trying to sell something where you need a great deal of emotion, like a Mother's Day, you know, to show the love between a mother and a daughter when they're both models, mm. or for lifestyle shots, um, you want to sell the vibe. So you need to learn. To, to do that by the way you direct your models and also there can be uh, emotion that's actually real. So if I'm ever photographing, say, speeches, um, what I do is I focus the camera on the person that's being talked about rather than the person that's giving the speech because Great that's idea. where the emotion's going to go. So if um, a bride is giving a speech about her dad that she loves so much, mm. uh, you know, you're likely that you'll get uh, emotion out of the, the parents. They might cry or react. So that's where I train my, cam- my camera. Also, uh, on a wedding day, I might, um, rather than focus on the bride, coming up the aisle I'm mm. going to focus on the groom because chances are mm. he's bawling his eyes out <laughs> and it's beautiful because men are very in touch with their emotions these days so I'm getting a lot yes yeah, yeah, some are <laughs> okay. so so I, and, and I love that I love to see things like that so you can get um, you know emotional shots uh, like that uh, or you might see the mother of the groom or the father of the, uh, the, the bride you know, crying at the yes. wedding. So, so, so look for those, and it's up to us as a photographer to decide where you want to um, draw the line and whether you want to take the photo or not. If you, you're seeing that emotion, sometimes I'll see it and uh, put the camera down and let it be left as a memory rather than being in people's faces and taking those shots. But uh, also, I think it depends on how in your face you are. If you're not in your face. You can capture the shot and just discard it later if no one knows you're actually taking the shot. I yeah. think that that's the important thing is that if you if if you're not actually intrusive in any way, yeah. then it's it's then it's okay. As I mean, in in most circumstances. But I think that I, I keep thinking of my grandfather's funeral, and which obviously is an extremely yeah. emotional day. And somebody took it upon themselves. They decided to wanted they wanted to be the photographer for the day for some inexplicable reason, and used their big camera. And everyone's desperately sad. And he's and everyone's you know surrounding is everyone's there and 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 the the photographer was just so in your face and he had his camera on um, just such a um, it was just continuous shots as even shooting a horse race yeah unbelievable and he just did this for so long while everyone was just barely well they weren't holding it together. No. And and I lost my shit at him. Yeah, of course. And, you know, so I think that y- you need to just make sure you're not intrusive and you're not in people's faces, if, particularly if they're going through a sensitive situation, which I know you never do. You're yeah. extremely sensitive about these yeah. things. Um, but anyway, let, let's move on. Emotion. 
So, Let's yeah, and so that there's different things you can do, Val. So, like, um, you know, having people looking away from camera can, can evoke a certain emotion. Um, you, can, you can get the performance and there's different ways of doing that. So, like, I'm really lucky in my job that I get to work with actors all the time that can perform and turn it on for me. Yes. But you can also get uh, performances out of uh, real people uh, for lifestyle shots and I use the exact same techniques I use when I'm doing a headshot to just um, create an authentic pose and to, to, to get rid of that photo face that people go into. <laughs> so I take people on the journey and try and be as descriptive as possible about a certain situation that I want them to pretend they're in so that we can kind of get that emotion. And then I use like little tricks that uh, – you know, make it look like that time because someone's with their head down might make them look sad or the way their shoulders are hunched or the way their body language is, you know. So um, there's there's all sorts of different ways that you can capture that emotion and it's another way to create mood in the shot. Now, in terms of creating moody shots, I know that one of the biggest things, well, I think one of the biggest things in creating a moody shot is the lighting. Yep. So what kind of things do we need to be aware of when it comes to lighting? So the way a, a shot is lit is going to completely change the way it looks. So I know mm. today I'm looking out my window. We've just had the big storm. It's overcast, but now the light is really flat and dull and beige it's kind of like mm -hmm. you know it's it's nothing light there's no emotion to it but there's things that I can do that are going to add to that emotion emotion just by the way I choose to light that shot and and the aperture that I choose whether I choose to underexpose or overexpose that shot it can make it really moody so mm. that's a way you can work with uh, natural light to do that so um you can use uh, again go back to the my go-to's morning and 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 dusk creates mm. a certain emotion in a shot also, like midday, which is like a normally a no-go zone for portraits, can be a, like incredibly uh, emotive and, and 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 get a lot of mood in a shot because you've got high contrast in the light. Um, things like using uh, backlighting or side lighting can create uh, a lot of uh, extra mood in the shot. And uh, something that's really cool to use when you're using when you're doing portraits, Val, is to use a black cutter mm -hmm. for your shots to actually um, add contrast to the shot. So if you're shooting a portrait on a day like today, flat light, even boring, dull, like a hotel room. You know, it's not going to offend anyone. Mm -hmm. It's beige, right? Mm -hmm. But if you uh, add a cutter to the side, so of define the, define a black cutter. So, so basically, you know how you've got your five in one uh, reflector board. Yes. So you've got silver, white, yes, black, gold, yes. and you take it off, and in the middle you've got uh, the translucent one, right? Mm -hmm. So the black part is basically uh, the part that actually. It, it doesn't add light, it removes light, it subtracts light. Yeah. So if you were to hold the white side up against someone's face, it's going to bounce more light in. If you hold the black side up against someone's face, it's going to subtract light. So it's going to add mood to your shot. Yeah. So it's perfect for using in these sorts of situations where your lighting is flat and you want to add mood, use the black cutter or deflector. It, it subtracts light. Okay, great. All right. Mm -hmm. um, 
the other thing uh, which uh, you can add a, a whole lot of mood to the shot is by using flash. So mm. I do this a lot in my shots. So if I'm looking outside now, d dull, flat light, nothing happening. But if I was to shoot a portrait in this light, uh, increase my shutter speed so I'm getting rid of the ambient light and just drop a little dook, which is my technical term for a small amount of light. Dook. I dook? want that to go into the what's the Webster's Dictionary or something. D double O K. Dook is half a stop. Okay. Um, and uh, basically, I pop a half a stop of light in, drop my background lighting, and suddenly you've got moody moody lighting and, that, mm. and that's how i do it the, the the modifier that you use is also going to change the look and feel of vibe of your shot you can light up the whole area or just uh just the face and and like have the face emerging out of the shadows uh you can also use a long exposure with flash and that can kind of give a surreal look because you're getting the lights in the background coming up there's so much you can do with flash mm, i love that advice now the thing is that your shooting style i'm very familiar with your shooting style and uh it, it is a lot of it is moody you do those shots brilliantly so other people may not necessarily have that signature style. So what have you got to say to them in terms of how they can, um, what they can do to their shooting style to create more mood? Okay, so as we proved earlier on, Val, that when you asked me to describe what mood <laughs> was and I really struggled to find uh, the words, yes. um, like photography as photographers, we we let our images speak for themselves. Yes. Okay. It doesn't work so well on a podcast, <laughs> right? I can't just hold up an image and go, write this. So basically, um, we need to let the image tell the story. And so just like Val, when you're coaching writers, mm -hmm. say to do uh, doing a mystery or a whodunit right, mm -hmm. story, and if they were to supply to you like lots and lots of descriptive words and he said, she said, there was a gun, the curtain, blah, 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 to tell the story, mm. what would you say to them about that, that sort of way of describing a scene, over-describing it? Well, exactly. They're over-describing it and they need yep. to pull it back and they need to let the, just drop enough hints in there so that the reader still gets the full picture but they you, they're able to use their own imagination for you know who done it or or the yep. backstory or, or whatever yep. yep so a great storyteller will leave a lot it says less rather than more and lets the viewer fill in the blanks and make the story up based on how they feel about what they're reading right yes. so a good <laughs> photographer will do the same thing so putting less visual cues in your image can make it really powerful so like uh, an example might be you might photograph a lonely path okay and just have a shoe on the path mm, that's so just a suddenly, lot it, well, what's the shoe about? What mm. happened there? Did something happen? But, you know, if you're overtelling the story, you might have a shoe and a rope and mm. a sign of struggle mm. and then you're trying to really, you know, fill in all the blanks and it's too much information. So less is more when it comes to trying to tell the story and create mood. You might have an empty room with just a lamp knocked over and curtains blowing in the mean. What happened there? You know, mm. let, the, let the person looking at the shot 
fill in the blanks. The other thing I love about shooting styles that can really add mood is the minimalist style. So mm. like not much at all in the shot, you know, can can really add to the mood. And the and the, and another one that I absolutely love and I really want to start doing more of this. I've been afraid to do it, but I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. <laughs> the use of scale. So I've seen photographers do this beautifully where you might have a tiny image mm. in a massive landscape you know and uh and and the the, the use of scale um really adds to the mood of the shot so so have a think about those things with your with your shooting style right so you mean like a, a tiny person or thing or whatever with a much more imposing landscape exactly yes right. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid to play around with scale to um, to evoke a mood. Yeah, great. Okay. Now, also I need to ask you, because I know that you are a fan of post-production, um, when it comes to post-production, which, you know, I know is used a lot to create certain moods, do you – are you of the school where, you know, ideally you, you – you shoot and you capture the mood in that shoot or are you of the school of let's create more mood with post-production? I'm very interested to hear you, hear okay. your response. So because I did train with film Val, I did do start out wanting to create everything in camera. So mm. I want to get the shot as close as possible. So I'm never shooting thinking, oh, my God, and then I'm going to drop in a sky and then I'm going to tweak it here, I'm going to darken it there, and then it's going to be that's how I'll create the shot. What I do is I create it the way I want to see it, but then I'm adding post-production techniques to uh, give the shot its flavour. So just like when I'm cooking, <laughs> when I started cooking, I didn't know about all the different herbs and spices. But as I started learning about more herbs and spices, like, you know, I never used to add chilli to my food. But now that I'm adding chilli and salt and pepper, it tastes different. And it gives, and that all the different um, uh, spices that I add support each other and, and create a whole different, um, you know, quality to that meal. Right. And now that I've used them, I can't go back <laughs> to having bland food. So, you know, now that I know about Lightroom and Photoshop yes. and I know what's possible, it's hard for me to just to pull something out of the camera and just leave it be, you know. Yeah, now sure. there's times when I'll tweak a lot. And there's times when I'll tweak a little bit, but I certainly tweak. I always add, uh, you know, some sort of seasoning to my images. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like, um, you know, always having to go out with makeup on. Yeah, well, you know, um, like we all, in, in an ideal world, we like to wake up and go, oh, yeah, I look good, I look great without makeup, I'm going to do my hair, I'm going to go out without makeup and, you know, it doesn't matter. But, you know, when you've seen yourself made up and you see the difference, well, you know, you go, well, maybe a little bit. So there's lots of different ways that you can you can completely change an image, Val. Like just going from colour to black and white yeah. can change the vibe. You know, for me, black and white just just makes it a little bit more simple. It makes it mm. takes away everything that's going to distract from the image and just makes it really simple. Um, adding contrast, 
tone. We've talked about how you, cropping an image can change how it feels and looks um, and uh, even adding warmth and, uh, you know, increasing the grunge, the mid-tones of an image can just change how it looks. So, you know, worth playing around, just like adding salt. Lemon juice as well <laughs> adds a lot of flavour, I find. Mm -hmm. Do you cook with lemon juice? Um, when I cook, sometimes. <laughs> so, actually, hang on, let me just change that to, Val, do you cook? <laughs> so, when you're often. ordering out, Val, when you're ordering out, do you ask them to put lemon juice on your food? <laughs> no, but if it's there, I'll squeeze it. Oh, good. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> so, what, um, uh, what else do we need to know about, about creating mood in our shots? Okay, so finally, the subject matter that you're going to photograph. Now, mm. this, again, is like, you know, going back to the writer analogy, what you write about is going to be things that are personal to you. Yeah. If you want to uh, write something authentic and that's going to get a reaction in other people, I think it's very hard to do if it's not something you've experienced, unless you're a very clever writer who does the research. But I think, you know photographing things that you are passionate about and into and interested in, mm. it's going to be a lot easier to create a mood and emotion out of those shots than just shooting stuff that, you know, oh, this might be interesting, you know. Yes, and all, always think of what story are you telling with this photo? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's storytelling with pictures, Val. Mm, mm. <laughs> so shoot things that matter to you. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you're shooting um, an ant, yep. try and think of what story you're trying to tell with that ant. And I've seen, um, we see a lot of examples in the Facebook page uh, of some amazing macro photography mm. where they, the, the, that the, these these bugs and insects are photographed so up close, they're like portraits, mm. and it's a whole other world, and they're amazing. So even ants can look fantastic. Now you've got a series of great shots which show mood in the yep. show notes. So remember, do go have a look if you're curious at um, Gina's shots at in the show notes at ginamilitia.com. But can you take us through them? Yeah, so basically uh, some of, I've, I've selected some stills from some of the more emotional uh, dramas that I've photographed. So mm -hmm. one that I've got in there is from a show uh, that I shot for SBS called Better Man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think you uh, reviewed the show, didn't you, Val? I loved this show. Yeah. So basically it was a mini-series uh, called Better Man and it was about the last Australian to have been hung um, in Singapore. Uh, and because of uh, he was arrested for drugs, and the shot that you've got there uh, of the actors, yep. but there of the of the man concerned the, who who is uh, who was hung, and his mother, yes. and uh, it's 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 a great shot. Tell tell me what you were trying to achieve with this. So basically, in a still for the promo, we needed to show the emotion of how a mother would feel. The son is in his prison gear. Yes. Okay. And she is uh, standing next to him. How a mother would feel knowing that her son is on death road. And now, mm. how can you show that in an image? Now, mm. I could have gone over the top 
and said to the mother, okay, I want you to be, you know, break down and be clinging to him, but, you know, but maybe sometimes over the top is a little too much, yes. too much description, too many words, Val, yeah. you know, you yeah. go back to the book analogy. So basically we got her to do the simplest of thing. Now um, in, in the, uh, the male actor, mm. I got him to show um, that he was anxious Mm. And the way I did that is he's standing, his hands are in fists, mm. right? His hands are making fists and that's his face is actually very serene, but that's the giveaway mm. for him. The mother, to show the anguish of the mother, and every, she, she did this so well, she's got her hands clasped to her chest. Mm. And she, I, don't, I think she's not even a, Not a, even an actor. An actor. She's not the, even. She nailed she's it. She's the screenwriter's mother. Exactly. And mm. when she did that, I just said, I just need some, I need you to show, you know, how would you feel if that was your son? How mm. would you feel? That's what she did. And I just went, oh, everyone in the room went, oh, brilliant. That's simple little action. So um, under that, I've got an image of Brian Brown, who, who played um, the lawyer. In, in the series, and he... Um, so he's the, he's the lawyer who went to Singapore to try and get, you know, the, the guy off the charges. And, who, uh, well, who represented the guy. Mm -hmm. And just as an aside, when I met, it was the first time I'd met and worked with Brian, mm -hmm. I said, you know what? You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to like, name a preset after you for a sepia tone, and I'll call it Brian Brown, because mm -hmm. that's name get it and he said that he, a, a paint company had actually approached him and they wanted to do a shade of brown and they wanted to call it Brian. Brown. oh my god really <laughs> yeah okay. that's funny i wanted him to show uh the, that he was dejected yes and and so obviously just, he did not yeah. succeed and being the great actor that he was um I, i'm not going to direct a lot in this case so mm. i just threw that word i said you know, what can you give me? So he went, you know, side onto camera, his shoulders slump, his head's down, he's looking down and he nailed it. Like, Did you ask him to go side onto camera? I asked him to go side on because I needed uh, that as a mm. side on profile. He's not looking at camera and, you know, he looks like a crumpled man to me. Yes, like, brilliant. He, he nailed it. Yeah. So. Um, you know, he did it brilliantly. Um, now, the post-production in these, I've gone for a gritty, grungy, desaturated look, and I think that complements um, the mood and the vibe. So had I have um, processed these in a brighter, poppier style, mm. I don't think they would have worked as well. Yeah. So, you, so I'm thinking about that in the post-production, you know, how much saturation do I want in the images, you know, how can I complement the emotions in these shots. Mm. Now the next shot is of actor Faras Durrani who is in the television series House Husbands but he's yep. also, he also uh, was in um, Underbelly uh, and it's this fantastic shot that looks straight out of the straight out of Fight Club or something yeah. and he's essentially he's in a suit with a white shirt and a skew with tie but he's covered in blood and he's yeah. got a cut on his face and scratches on his face and he's looking straight to camera holding a cigarette so there's a yeah. little bit of smoke in yeah. the foreground what were you trying to achieve here 
So here I've used uh, all the elements that we talked about from film noir movies that I really love. So it's it's uh, using smoke to add to a mood mm. and uh, using a, a really uh, strong style of lighting. That's my Octobox used as a um, a beauty dish. So it's mm. a very hard lighting. So I've just spotlighted his face. And, um, you know, it's a very strong lighting. The background is uh, dark and gritty. And I just wanted to just create a dark, moody uh, shot. Again, the post-processing, I've just knocked back the saturation. I've really focused on his eyes, uh, shallow depth of field so that they really pop and stand out and just to, to create that mood where you look at the shot, we don't know what's happened. Is, the, is he the hero? Is he the villain? Mm. Not sure. Mm. Yeah, Don't great. Care. Definitely tells the story. You know, I want it to be a shot that you want to look at, uh, you know, and keep looking at and wonder about and make up your own story about it. Mm. Now, the next shot is of an uh, actress called Celia Island, in, and she plays an inmate in the television series Wentworth, which is a great TV show. And um, she's wearing her prison greens and she's looking straight at camera. What were you trying to achieve here? So again, I wanted to show, um, I think the, uh, the direction for this is just like, I just want hopelessness, mm. you know. And she looks like hopeless. If you were, you know, an inmate, you know, lost, hope, feeling hopeless, there's just like what's going on in your life, you know, nothing. It's She nailed it. And mm. if you look at that, the, the pain in the eyes... Yep. And it's the simplicity, like the background is nondescript, Val. It's a, a couple of, it was shot in like a, 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 an old uh, warehouse, but not even like a groovy warehouse. It was like a, a like almost like a 1960s tack-on part <laughs> of the warehouse, like an office. Mm. You know, Jan in accounts was probably filing in the back. Mm -hmm. That's how nondescript this room was. And this is daylight and fluoro mixed together. So it's the With no flash, no lighting? This is available light, Val. Really? No, no, she's lit. Sorry, uh -huh. she is lit. She's lit. Uh -huh. um, but it's simple, okay? Yes. It's about her expression. Yeah, and, absolutely. And the look, and it's like, you know, because had I have, have used a fancy set and lots of props, it, it would have detracted from... Celia, who's the hero. And you've pulled the colour back from this shot. I have desaturated this a lot, but and there is still colour in there, Val. Yes. But one of the things, one of the reasons this works is because obviously this is about life in a, in a prison, mm. which is very stark, very clinical, and so it makes sense for you to pull some of that colour out because, you know, there isn't, it's, this, this television series is not, uh, like Orange is the New Black, <laughs> where there's lots of colour and sass yeah. and vibe. This is a very stark television series. And I could have uh, I could have done it as black and white because you're thinking when you're thinking, oh, it's bleak, it's dark, let's do it as a gritty black and white. But then, you know what? It would have started to look a bit too romantic mm. in my eyes. And so I think uh, it, it looks a lot bleaker when yes. you leave some colour in. Yeah, it's great. It's like someone's actually sucked the colour out of it. Exactly. And so you've shot you shot the next shot in Sydney, and it's yep. of the iconic uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge, and it's yep. taken at uh, looks like Circular Quay. And uh, so, what were you trying to do here? I think what's great is you is the timing of the shot because yep. somehow Gina's waited till the exact moment till 
a flock of seagulls have filled the top right of the frame and it, they're just perfectly captured yeah. in, in an arc that follows the bridge. So, so did you just like throw a stone at them? So, so I'll <laughs> let you in on uh, how. So first of all, I've, I've, I've uh, warmed up the shot so it's sepiaed and bright and um, uh, a gritty Mm. And I looked at the shot and I loved it, but it was missing something. So the birds, Val, <laughs> added them in afterwards. Did you really? <laughs> did. Oh, my God. Where would you get them from? Post-production. I've got a little collection of birds that I shoot. <laughs> and so it's not cheating. It's art. Yeah, I love it. All right. Oh so God, I gave I that it. away. Don't tell anyone. Oh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. That's just between you oh and I. Oh, my God. But um, – you know, there are things like that that I will do. It just needed it. And once I put it in, it just added yeah, to the Yeah, perfect, perfect. You it's know? the salt and pepper. It's so the salt and pepper. The next shot is actually a black and white shot and it says it's in Via Reggio in Italy. Yeah. And it's of a, whole, a, a beach scene where there's rows and rows and rows of neatly lined up, um, you know, beach chairs and stripy umbrellas. So it's an yep. impressive shot. But there's this wooden walkway right in the middle of the shot where a very young little girl is walking with her beach stuff, walking away from the camera. What yep. are you trying to achieve here? Well, that, 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 that shot at midday, I love the shadows. I love the grittiness of the shot. And for me, when I look at this, this is a positive image. You know, mm. I look at it as someone, you know, marching forward and, um, you know, heading towards their goals basically. But someone else could see that as, you know, being isolated or, you know, lonely. So however you wanted to look at it, but, th but that's what I wanted to create. This actually happened in front of my very eyes. This wow. girl appeared for me yeah. like that. It was magic. It was one of those magic moments where I went, oh, my God, look what's happening in front of me. <laughs> snap, 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 snap. Oh, my God. Where did she come from? Where's her mother? Where's her mother? That's what I was thinking. It's on her own. This kid's on her own. There is no one around, Val. She just appeared. Okay. It's bizarre. So we have a whole heap of other shots that Gina has provided, but we don't have time to go through them all. But we will put them in the show notes with some comments from Gina. Um, and so please do check them out. But So I want to skip down to the final shot, which is of a guy called Luke, and he looks – like a cross between Jesus and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was, I'm assuming this was shot at night, but you yes. used a flash to fill in his face. And you've mm -hmm. got some great bokeh happening in the background, which I assume is street lights. Is that, yeah. what were you trying to achieve here? And in what situation were you shooting a Jesus lookalike cross with Chris Hemsworth? Okay, so um, Luke is actually a, a friend of the family mm -hmm. and um, you, the, the first time I met him, I'm like, oh, my God, Luke, I have to photograph you. <laughs> Jesus, really. But we went out you and – uh, like You should have shot like a Last Supper with him. I should do a Last yeah, Supper. Yeah, do it Last Supper. Last Supper with him, Yeah, yes. I think it's great. Um, but basically uh, I was re – I have been looking at a lot of the work of Lee Jeffries and mm -hmm. he does these gritty portraits actually of homeless people mm. and Luke's not homeless but no. it's like I, I was inspired by that style and I wanted to create something really gritty and uh, just by using a little dook of light. Dook. 
just lighting up his face because the, the 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 sides of his head actually merge back into the shadows mm. and i just wanted a hint of something in the background those few lights so had i have used a, a slower shutter speed you would find that everything in the background would be visible and the sh whole shot would look completely different so just you know that the, the lighting is from above mm. and i'm look out for a blog post there's a blog post coming out soon probably in the next three weeks that actually breaks down exactly how i lit this and oh great not going to believe what i used as a modifier i don't want to give too much away okay. it's coming up okay but um yeah and and so the the, the way you light it's because i just wanted his uh eyes to pop yeah. in the shot and uh you know very moody and gritty and i've let this in color but i've treated it in a really grungy gritty style and you know the the vibe uh, the, I, I cued the wind in at the right time, Val. I <laughs> wind, and it just blew. So I often, if 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 there isn't any movement in hair when I'm photographing people with long hair, I will have someone on the side yeah. just blowing something just to get a little wisp yeah. because that adds life and mood to the shot. Do you have one of those little portable fans? What do you use to, for them to How do you use those outside, Val? What do you mean how do you? You just turn them on. Are they battery operated? Yeah, battery operated. You I get probably them from... should get one, but you actually get a better look to the. And I'll, I promise, I'll do a whole show because this is actually a whole show on how to get air in things yes. and how to life into shots. Uh, yes. It'll be a whole show. So I've got all these uh, really good techniques that I do to create that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So um, that brings us to the end of our podcast this week. What are you up to in the? Um, coming week so uh we um, uh, i'm about to launch my book in a couple of weeks i think so uh we're down to the like the, the final uh bits and pieces of that so it's, a, it's actually this is the stressful part for me because mm. uh you know get, getting the last shots together agreeing on a cover and all of that um i've got something exciting that i'm doing tomorrow that i'll talk about next week <laughs> okay <laughs> and i've got a couple of shoots to do and a lot of lot on it, it's busy but in a good way and you val what are you doing oh goodness me there's just i i there's so much to do at this time of year that yeah. i can't even think of one particular thing my <laughs> my to-do list is just ridiculous yeah but anyway, uh, I look forward to that blog post and also to hearing your big news at next week's podcast. But yes. uh, And I'm sure everyone's keen for your new book because I am. Yeah, I'm excited to put it out there. I'm really proud of this one. I'm proud of all of them. And, you know, you, like with your children, you don't have favourites. But, like, you know, you, you kind of get better at it as you go along. Yes. I, and I'm trying to start to, you know, and you know what's been really good in writing this book, doing this podcast? Oh, great. Because it's having the listeners writing in with their questions has really helped me uh, work out what needs to be taught and what um, all the important stuff. So um, hopefully everyone will get a lot out of it. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, well, if you, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you haven't yet joined us in the Facebook group, please do that. And it's a Facebook group, not not paid. So just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and connect with us there. We'd love to see you. Uh, but th that's it for this week. Until next week, we'll chat to you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, 
and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.